Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's Insight Assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Welcome back to another edition of the Fighter versus the Rider. I'm your host, as always, Damon Martin. And this week, with UFC 278 on the horizon, as well as a big-time BKFC card coming up on Saturday from London, we have a very special show with two of the fighters who will be a part of the main and co-main event of those cards. I'm going to talk in just a little while to the uh, to the woman who will co-headline the first-ever BKFC card in London. Paige Van Zandt's going to join me for an interview to talk about her upcoming fight, her future in BKFC, um, everything else going on with her right now, including pro wrestling and uh, acting. She's actually got a role in a new horror movie coming up, so we're going to talk about that as well. But first things first, my first guest of the show is going to be the man who will battle Kamar Usman for the UFC welterweight title, UFC 278 in the main event. Leon Edwards is my first guest. Of course, Leon is days away now from fighting for the title, and he was kind enough to chat with me, uh, you know, literally, uh, you know, on basically the day, you know, the day of fight week starting on Monday, uh, the podcast drops on Tuesday, but he talked to me on Monday about everything going on with his uh, fight with Kamar Usman, finally getting here to get this title shot, how he expects the fight to play out, all kinds of good stuff. So without further ado, let's talk to the man who will headline UFC 278 this weekend as he looks to become the UFC welterweight champion of the world when he battles Kamar Usman. This is Leon Edwards. He is the man who will battle for the UFC welterweight title in just a matter of days. He's talking to me on fight week, weight cutting mode and all that. So I cannot thank him enough for the time. I really do appreciate it. Leon Edwards. Leon, how are you? I am good, brother. I am in Utah. Um, Climatizing, enjoying the weather. As you can see, no t-shirt. So, so good. Yeah, um, we've talked a lot over these last couple of years. We've done a lot of interviews around your fights, around all the disappointing, you know, injuries and delays and all these things that have happened. You're now basically five days away from fighting for the welterweight title. Does it feel real? Like, does it finally feel real? Um, yeah, for sure, it definitely feels real. You know, but I, I feel like a like a belong here. It feels like normal. You know, I don't feel like it's a big, it's a big moment. Everyone's making out to be. You know, I'm. 
like I said, I'm excited to be here. It's been a long, a long, long time coming and a long, hard road, a lot of ups and downs. And um, yeah, I feel I feel like I belong here and I, I cannot wait. Yeah, I can ask, I can ask you this question now. I wouldn't have asked you this a year ago because I don't like to kind of spin in a negative light on things. But you're here. You're fighting for the title in five days, so it's it's happening. But yeah. was there ever, was there ever a point, you know, coming like going all the way back to the Tyron Woodley fight that got canceled when that whole pandemic thing happened and it scrapped a fight that probably should have earned you a title shot back then? Was there ever a moment during those couple of years where you're like, man, like I'm just like snake bitten here. Like I, this is just like, like, did you ever have like a, a brief moment of like, I I don't know what to do. Like I will say giving up cause you never gave up, but you know what I mean? Like nah, it had to be disheartening. Um, disheartening. Yeah, for sure. I'm never, never thought of giving up or nothing like that. You know what I mean? I just know that obviously, like I said, the pandemic hit, um, nothing I could do about that. And, I, I, when it first happened, I was a bit like bummed out, you know. But after that, I, I, I just really focused my mind and just used that time to get better, you know. Like switch my my mind to thinking, oh, why why can't I compete? Why can't I do this? And just thinking, you know what? Maybe you just you get more time in the gym, more time to improve, um, taking less damages. As far as like competing in hard fights and um, and just I was, I was able to grow, you know, as, as as a as a human being, as a man, and as a martial artist, and I feel. Now was the perfect time for us to fight. Maybe, if, maybe if I did fight him, um, uh, when, when I was meant to fight fight him three year, two years ago, three years ago, um, it would have been a harder fight than what it should be. You know, I mean, I feel, I feel now is is the perfect fight, perfect time for us to fight. Yeah, absolutely. It's a bigger fight now too, right? Like you've gone on yeah, and done sure. some big things. You had the big fight with Nate Diaz. That was a big, big fight. Of course, now Kamaru's number one pound for pound. Like in a weird yeah. way. Like, even though I think you could have fought for the title three years ago and it would have been completely justified, it's a bigger yeah. fight now, right? Like, there is a yeah, bigger feel to this. Yeah, 100%. I believe so. Like I said, like like I've been saying, this is a perfect time for us to fight, you know? And um, obviously, going through the ups and downs at the time, you know, I'm not thinking at the time, but now I'm thinking, like, this is it. This is this is the moment. And like I said, it feels like a big fight, and I, I, I'm excited. Yeah. Now this fight comes several years after you fought Kamar Usman the first time. It's the only the last time you had a loss in your career and it's going back. Now I hadn't watched that fight in a long time, but I went back and rewatched it a couple of days ago. Cause I kind of forgot, you know, it'd been so long and yeah. it, it is so long ago. Like, let, let me start here and ask you this question. Leon. like, do you, do you legitimately look at this as a rematch? And the reason I say that is, is because you guys are so far removed from who you were when you fought all those years ago, you know what I mean? Like, is there a part of you that says it's a rematch on paper, but it's not really a rematch? Yeah, exactly. Um, I look at it as a brand new fight, you know, I don't look at it as like, as, as, as a, a rematch. I feel as a brand new fight, brand new opponent. He's, he's grown leaps and bounds and so have I, you know, we both haven't lost since um, our first contest. And um, yeah, I, I approach it with my team as a brand new fight. Um, seeing what he does and um, going from there like I did to my, all, my, all my last 10 opponents you know I break them down bit by bit and see what they do good see what they do bad see where the tendencies are and take advantage of that yeah can you use anything from that first fight in terms of just knowing his size maybe the reach because one thing I noticed the fight ultimately played out with with Kamaru basically out wrestling you. That was really the story of like his win, and that's not a knock on him by any stretch of the imagination. That's just saying like that was the majority of his of his winning was was wrestling. But in that first round, you caught him a couple of good times, and, you, and I think you staggered him a little bit, and that's when he went to his wrestling in that first round. 
can yeah. you take anything away from that fight that you can use in terms of just like the reach, the strength, anything? Um, yeah, not really. I can't remember him being like super strong or or anything. You know, I don't remember him being in that department at the time. He he had good um wrestling offense, you know, and um I didn't have enough wrestling defense to defend his, his wrestling. No, that's all I, I take from it. As far as that, the fight goes, um. It fights in it fights in similar ways now, but obviously it's improved. But it's still similar in how he approaches it. You know, it's still similar in like his stance, his movement, his, his shots he, he uses. Still similar to what he does now. You know, so um, also like I said, it's seven years ago. I'm approaching like a new fight, and I, I am ready. Yeah, this is, as I said, it's a much bigger fight now because of what you've done, 10 fight, undefeated streak, all the things, and of course, Camaro now being number one pound for pound. Let me ask you this question, Leon. I'm, I'm curious your take on this because you've been around the sport long enough. You, you've seen the greats. You know the history of the welterweight division. I personally believe the welterweight division is the greatest division in UFC history, in my opinion. I just love this division. I think it's always been incredibly yeah. stacked. And becoming a champion is so tough. Now, Kamaro right now is five title defenses in. Now, you plan on stopping him before he can get to six, but... To this point, Kamara's been pretty impressive, and I think you would say that as well. I know there's a lot of respect there. The conversation right now comes down to Kamara and GSP as far as, like, the two greatest welterweights of all time, I think. I mean, you could throw in Matt Hughes, maybe. I don't know. Personally, I think it comes down to Kamara and GSP. Now, in your opinion, are you about to face the greatest welterweight of all time, or do you still put George St. Pierre number one in this division? I'm curious your take. Um... I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't see him as a at this moment. I see him as, a, as an opponent. You know, I don't really look at his resume and um, compared to George. I haven't thought much into it. He's good in what he does. Like you said, he's on about five fight um, defending his, his belt. You know, and um, even though it's, it's the all rematches, um, he still went out there and did what did what he needed to do to win. So. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I probably go George because I grew up watch, watching George. You know, so he'd probably edge him because of that. You know, and he's never been an opponent of mine. Um, but as far as his skill set goes, um, if it's skill for skill, I'll probably go with George, you know. Yeah. See, I go the other way, and I'll tell you why. I think Camaro, because he yeah. hasn't lost. You know, he had that one loss early in his career, but he never lost in the UFC. He's only had a couple of yeah. rounds lost in the UFC. And I think just skill-wise, I think Camaro. Now, I'm saying all that, and the reason I'm saying that, Leon, is because, again, you're going out there to beat him. Like, I think it's – and maybe I'm being biased here, but I'm saying it thinking, like, you go out there and beat him. I think you may just beat the greatest welterweight of all time. Like, I think that says a lot about this fight because, again, you have a legit chance to go out there and beat who I believe is the greatest welterweight. So maybe I'm building it up too much, but I think that's what it is. Like, I think this is what this fight is. You have a chance to go out there on Saturday – and beat the greatest welterweight of all time, in my opinion. Now, again, I'm not saying George isn't great. George was absolutely great. But I think Camaro actually has done better, which is why I think this fight is bigger and why I think it would be a huge accomplishment for you to go out and beat him. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. No, I believe so. If I go out there, when I do go out there and beat him, then you got to put me up with the pound for pound, right? If that's the case, if you consider him the pound for pound, and after I go out there and, and start him, then uh, I feel like I, I should be also up there as well. Yeah. Let me let me ask you this, Leon, because I don't I don't typically get into a whole lot of game plan questions, especially like five days out from the fight. But, you know, on paper, you know, people would say, well, you know, you got Kamaru's wrestling and you're striking. But I, it, go, it goes so far beyond that. But we've seen recently Kamaru has gotten into the striking and, and legitimately so, you know, broke Colby Covington's jaw, 
knocked out Gilbert Burns, knocked out Jorge Masvidal, all great knockouts, all big things. But you and I both know that there's a certain level to striking. You can knock out certain guys. Yeah. Doesn't necessarily yeah. mean you're the greatest striker. Now, that's not to knock his striking. He's a great, but is there any part of you that's like, I really hope Kamaro comes out there thinking he can knock me out because that's playing into your world. That's playing into what you do best. Yeah, for sure. I, I think you will. I think you try to come out and try try to prove a point, you know, like, um, I think you try to come out first, try to try strike it and end up shooting, shooting, shooting for the legs like, he always does now, so I, I feel, I believe you. Well, I don't think you come on, just try to wrestle again. Um, if you did, then so what? You know, I'm, I, I am more than seasoned to the, the grappling part of the game, and uh, I am ready wherever fight goes. I might go in there and try to take him down. You never know, you know. So it will be, um, it's gonna be an, an interesting fight. This is a mixed martial arts fight. It won't be like the first fight where it was like a, a striker versus the rest of the matchup. You know, this is a, a mixed martial artist um, versus a boxer wrestler. And yeah, I'll on top. we've had we've had a few rare moments in this sport where you know a champion a, a challenger beats a champion, and the champion is so dominant up to that point we're just like well you know like people don't want to give you credit for the win. Now you've earned this spot, Leon. You've earned where you're at. You know, yes, you're the underdog, and I get it. He's the champion. That's just how yeah. that works. You know what I mean? Like it's yeah. you know it, it, he's earned that spot. I get it. Is there any part of you? Because you do have a, a, a bit of history with, with Kamaro. You know, you do have the fight seven years ago, but there is a fight there. Is there any party that feels like you go out there, you beat him on Saturday night, you knock him out, you win a decision, whatever the case may be, you walk away as champion, that it's inevitable that we're going to have to do it a third time? You know what I mean? Like, it feels like this is like an inevitability. Like, I hate to talk about it before the fight, but it feels like kind of like when Chris Weidman beat Anderson Silva. Like, we know we're going to have yeah. to see it again. And I remember Chris Weidman telling me back then, like, yep, I know I'm going to have to do it a, a second time, and I fully intend on doing it. Is there any part of you that's, like, looking at this saying, this is going to probably be part two of a trilogy? Yeah, for sure. Um, I always thought that after I beat him, they'll, they'll all probably give him, give him the rematch, you know. And, um, so, so so they should. Like you said, he's been, been doing great things for the division. He's been beating, beating everyone in front of him, defending his belt. So, um yeah, if after being, they might they might try to give him give him another shot, you know. But do, you gotta do it in England, though, right? Trilogy in For England, hundred percent, hundred percent. It won't definitely won't be in fucking Utah, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, for sure, hundred percent. Have to be come back home, and um, that'll be amazing for for the UK fans, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Let me ask you, you know, you've had a couple of fights where you've had, you know, uh, you know, bad blood, I would say a little bit. Obviously, we know the rivalries out there with Masvidal. That's a fight we never got to see. Maybe we'll get to see it one day. Um, you've had, but you've also had fights where there's a lot of, how, how do you feel about Kamaru Usman in terms of like as a person, as a fighter going into this fight? I don't feel like there's bad blood. Like it's just a competitive thing. It's not like Colby yeah. or anything like that. Like, how do you feel about Kamaru? This is what it is, you know. I wouldn't say there's no bad blood there, you know. I'm not there to compete, to win, to to become a world champion, you know. That's that's my aim, and um, by any means, I, I am willing to do that. I cannot make a story from like, oh, I hate him, blah, 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 because this is what it is. All this is for me is competition, going out there, achieving my dreams I've been working for for last, what, 14 years, and I've earned and deserved for a long time, and that's all it is. Uh, there's no hatred towards him. There's no beef towards him. And I just truly believe that I am, I am the better man and I'm going at it to prove it. 
Yeah. Is this like, this is the moment you've been waiting for. Like, this is like, you've been waiting for the chance to prove this, right? Because you've had so many people doubting you and saying, well, you're this, you're that, or you didn't do this, you didn't do that. Like, is the, I don't know. Do you hold, I won't say animosity, but like, do you, is there a, a little bit inside of you, Leon, that like you get your hand raised on Saturday night, you might get to point your finger at some of the people and say, I told you so. Like, there's got to be a little bit of I told you so yeah, in the win here, right? Yeah, 100%. That's, that's, that's all, all adds to the fuel as well to, for the fight, you know. So, I told you so. They're, they're all coming after this fight, you know. Um, <laughs> they're, 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 I've been dieting for a very long time, my whole career, and I keep proving them wrong after fight, after fight, after fight, you know. So, it is what it is. Yeah. You know, I'm curious, Leon, you know, when we look at the welterweight division, you know, the, the the top two guys right now are you and Kamara. I mean, there's no doubt about that in terms of the streak you're on, the streak he's on. This is this is legitimately one of the rare times where we get number one versus number two, right? Like, this is not yeah. – we don't always get that. We don't always get number one versus number two. We are getting number yeah. one versus number two right now. I'm curious, when you look at the lay of the land at welterweight and taking yourself and Kamara out of the conversation because we are seeing number one and number two – who do you look at and say who is the, the next biggest threat? Like you're about to be, you're about to fight for a championship. You become champion, you're no longer the hunter. You become the hunted. That's just typically what it's like being champion. Now we've already said you and Kamara will probably fight a third time. All those kind of things. But taking you two out of the equation, who do you look at at welterweight and say that's the other guy, the other toughest guy in the division, in your opinion? Toughest? Um, I don't know. I don't know. I wouldn't say I don't know who's the top. Who's the toughest? I was. Like I got hands up, that's that's in there to try to push him quick, and um, I was Kobe still floating about, and and on in top five really is they're all credible opponents, you know. I was to go and earn the spot, but apart from that, they're all credible, good good opponents, you know. So I don't know, it'd be hard to say who I think would be the hardest fight, and um, until 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 you fight a person, you know. So we'll see. Yeah, I know you mentioned in another interview before the fight, Leon, that, you know, you said at some point you do want to settle the the longstanding grudge with Masvidal, and I get that. Like, that's one we never got to see, and I don't want to take the attention away from this fight, but is there any part of you that feels like everything goes well on Saturday, you beat Kamaru Usman? Like, is Masvidal a little bit in your rearview mirror at this point? Like, he's a little further back right now, right? Like, I know that's yeah. a personal one you want back, but, like, it wouldn't make sense in terms of rankings and things like that. Like, can yeah. you move beyond yeah. that and well, just kind of put that? That wouldn't be the first time you see something that doesn't make sense. So, like, <laughs> it, I was, <laughs> I was just, <laughs> just spanking, you know. Um, but yeah, I feel like my career is doing this, and he's like going the other way, you know. So it would be, be difficult to, like you said, to make it make sense and for the, the, the stars um, to align, you know. But um, that's one that I want back and. When I do win about, I might even, like I said, give him the shot or let him go out there, win one fight, then I'll give him the shot, you know, so we'll see. Yeah, we have definitely seen crazier situations where people got title yeah, shots 100%. where you're kind of like, what in the world is going on here? Yeah, 100%. So it's all, at the end of the day, it's all about the money, you know, and I feel that that fight be a big, big deal, so we'll see. Yeah, how how do you, you mentioned earlier kind of laughing, but in all seriousness, how do you feel about this fight being in Utah of all places? It's got to be one of the weirdest locations for a title fight yeah, I've ever is it the first time in Utah as well? Is it? Uh, I believe. I, I I think maybe they've been there once before, but if not, I, it's been a long time that they have. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's just it's weird as fuck, right? I'm like, why are you putting Vegas or? Be <laughs> <laughs> fair, it's, it's it's nice there, you know. The scenery is nice. The mountains are nice, and it's like an outdoorsy place, you know. But 
like we walk in the street and not not many people know about the UFC or that 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 is even in town, you know. So we tell them about the fight. They're like, "What? It's in town?" Like, yeah, we sold out. So um, we'll see. What yeah, comes I, like. I can imagine if they said this fight's going to be on the moon, you would have been like, "Sign me up," because all you care about is fighting for the title. <laughs> exactly. Okay. The, the, the octagon is octagon, you know. No <laughs> where you put it. Uh, before I get you out of here, Leon, I know I don't know if this is big for you. I know it is for a lot of fighters. Visualization, you know, visualizing how the fight's going to play out, how things are going. I don't know if you're a big visualization guy. I know a lot of fighters are, but yeah, I, I do. I, I, I you, you know, you visualize yourself being here so many times. You visualize yourself getting to this moment. And I remember talking to you like a year and a half ago, and you said I think it was before Kamaru fought Colby the second time. I think. And you said, you know, you want you want Camaro because it's the fight that you need back as a loss and you want the dominant champion. You want the guy to beat, you know, you want the guy who's been the long-reigning champion so you can become champion. But have you visualized that moment of your hand being raised, Dana putting the title around your waist, hearing Bruce Buffer say and new? Like, have you visualized that moment? Can you picture it in your head already? Yeah, yeah. I've been picturing it for for years and, and years. And I, I, I'm... Like, like like I said, it just feels like a like I belong here. You know, it doesn't feel I don't feel like anxious. I don't feel nervous, and it doesn't feel like I truly belong here. And it's been a long time coming. I've earned this spot, and um, like I said, I've, I've visualized it many years, and it, it will it will become. I will see it, you know, on Saturday night. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's one of those things like you dream about, and then the realization, like when it actually happens, like you can't really you can't really feel it until it's there. So like even me asking you is kind of like ridiculous because when yeah. you actually feel that moment, it's gonna feel like something completely different. I'm yeah. sure. I'm sure from what you visualize, but I think it's still good to visualize though. Just feel even like I visualize everything. You know, even like losing in the fight, coming back, turning around, winning, and I visualize it all. You know, like being in bad positions, getting out of bad positions, and. I, I visualize it, it being an easy fight. I, I visualize it like in every single way it could go. I've played it over and over and over and over again in my head, you know, so I won't be in no surprises when it does happen. Yeah, there's a million ways this fight could play out. We know that's how mixed martial arts is. You could go in there and get a first-round knockout. You could go out there and get a 48-47 decision and you become champion. I'm sure it doesn't really matter to you how it happens as long as your hand is raised at the end of the night. But ideally, if you look at this fight, and again, I'm not asking you game plan by any stretch of the imagination, but when you look at this fight, what is the ideal ending? How does this fight end? How how do you beat Kamaru Usman? Per, in a perfect fight, how does this play out? Um, In a perfect world, also, I can knock him out. I can sub him out. He can throw a tackle for. Um, I can choke him out. I can knock him out. I can win by decision. <laughs> Anywhere the fight goes, uh, I'm, I'm comfortable, you know? So... Um, Anywhere the fight goes, you know, I, I like I said, I'm, I am fully prepared to go where wherever. You know, I'm not going in there thinking oh, I'm going. I'm only going to strike with him. I'm going there thinking I am going to beat you by any means necessary, and that's my mentality going into the fight. Yeah, is there a? Do you feel like? And, and again, please correct me if I'm wrong. Is there? Do you feel like there is a little different mentality between you and Kamara right now, where you're at? Because this has been your goal. Since yeah. you lost to Kamara, but particularly the last couple of years, because you knew you were right there. As I said, if you had fought Woodley before the pandemic, you probably would have fought him right away. That would have been the title fight. So you've been yeah. you've been scratching and clawing and working your way here. Now, in Kamara's defense, like again, he's been an incredible champion, all these accomplishments, but you know, he just did Black Panther. He did the Black Panther sequel. He's talking about fighting Canelo. He's talking about fighting 
you know, all these other things. He's talking about fighting Jan Blahovich with light heavyweight, all these kind of like crazy things. And again, I don't know if it's, do you feel like there is a difference in the mentality of where, what you're going for right now, maybe where he's at right now going into this fight in terms of what you're fighting for? Cause I know sometimes it's that hungry contender who takes out the champion, right? Like the long reigning champion, because maybe he's not the guy. This is like the passing of the torch. Is there any bit of that going into this? You think? Um, yeah, wherever it is or not, I don't, I don't give two shits. You know, like you said, <laughs> <laughs> wherever it is or not, like he has been talking a lot about other, other, other shit around apart from the fight. You know, I am been solely focused on the, this fight, and that's it. So if it is, then it's gonna be a, a bad night for him, and if it's not, it's still gonna be a bad night for him. Doesn't matter. Yeah, I love that attitude. And, uh, you know, it's rare in this sport. Well, you know, listen, as a journalist, you know, we're we're unbiased. You know, we can't root for people, and I wouldn't expect that. But in all honesty, Leon, I mean this sincerely. I'm happy you got this. You know, I, I literally felt so bad for all the weird situations that kept falling on you and all the weird, you know, pandemic and fight cancellations and COVID and all that kind of crazy. I was like, my God, like, I feel so bad for Leon. All these things keep happening. I'm legitimately happy you're here, man. Like, seriously, like, this is just your moment. I'm so happy you finally got this opportunity. It was well-earned, well-deserved. And I'm just excited that you get to go out there and compete for this title, something you've, you've, you've long since deserved. I'm just glad you're getting the chance. Thank you. I, re- I appreciate it, man. Like you said, it's been a long road. and um, well, I, Now is the perfect time for us to fight, and now it's going to pay off. Absolutely. Well, Leon, again, I can't say thank you enough for doing this on fight week. You're literally getting ready to cut weight and you're fighting in a matter of days. So thank you so much for doing this. I really do appreciate it. Best of luck in the fight on Saturday. And I can't wait to talk to you, uh, hopefully afterwards. And uh, when we can talk about that and new, we can actually talk about how it felt to have that belt wrapped around your waist. Good man. Thank you. All right, Leon, we'll talk soon. Uh, Bye-bye. There he is. Leon Edwards, the man who will battle Kamar Usman. For the UFC welterweight title in uh, in a matter of days, man, so close. And I am, I'm legitimately excited for Leon. Like it's not like no, no, uh, n- no, no joke, man. The guy has gone through a lot to get here, and like you know, the heartbreak of fight cancellations. He had a chance to headline a card in London against Tyron Woodley that would have absolutely earned him a title shot, and to have all that go away. And then he had he was the guy. I mean, let's not forget he accepted multiple fights with Hamza Chemaev, when he really didn't have nearly as much to gain from a fight like that, accepted multiple fights against him, and that never happened. And then, yeah, I mean, just, again, it's like the most snake-bitten guy in the world, but to finally get back here, you know, you think about all the missed opportunities and then finally getting a chance to do this. And I think he is facing the greatest welterweight of all time. I love George St. Pierre. I think George St. Pierre is an all-time great. I think he's a legend. Um, all the things you could say about George St. Pierre. And if you want to argue with me and say George St. Pierre is number one, I couldn't fault you. Couldn't couldn't say you're wrong. I just personally believe the run that Kamaru Usman is on right now, the dominance that he's shown during this run. I mean, he had like two rounds maybe lost in, in the Colby Covington fights. Outside of that, yeah, he had the, he, he did get the knockdown against Gilbert Burns. Then he came back and won by knockout. You know, he had maybe not, not the most exciting fight in the world against Jorge Masvidal. The first time comes out and knocks him out cold in the second one. He doesn't have the, the reason why I put Kamara number one is he doesn't have any of those blemishes on his record. He doesn't have he does have the one loss in his second pro fight, which again that's so early in his career. I'm not saying it doesn't count, but it you know it's it's not you know a, a fully developed evolved Kamara Usman. But he doesn't have the Matt Hughes fight. He doesn't have the Matt Sarah upset on his record. And I'm not saying that that negates all the great things that George St. Pierre did. Absolutely not. I'm just saying in comparison, 
Usman doesn't have any of that. He's been nothing but dominant in the UFC. And, and you know, you could argue again, the, the Colby Covington, you know, first and second fight were closer. Colby Covington's really good. I, you don't have to like that guy, but he's a really freaking good fighter. And for him, you know, he broke the, he broke his jaw to end the fight in the first one. And then he won the second fight after, you know, basically mauling him the first couple of rounds. Colby stuck around and came back. Good for him. But ultimately, Kamara still won. But I mean, outside of a couple, three rounds, I mean, there's ne- there's never been a moment outside of maybe the first round against Gilbert Burns where he got clipped and dropped briefly where you're like, man, he might lose. Like, you can look at George. If you're going to nitpick here, you could look at George and say, well, you know, George did have the, the decision with Johnny Hendricks that a lot of people thought he lost. And he did have the loss to Matt Sarah, which was a huge upset. Maybe he was getting a little bit, you know, too, you know, maybe a little bit too full of himself in that moment and then got caught and, you know, whatever. He had the Matt Hughes fight again very early in his UFC career, but he did have that blemish. Now, of course, he avenged that, you know, tenfold in the rematches. But again, like I said, you're nitpicking. And again, I'm not going to fault anyone for saying that George St. Pierre is the greatest welterweight of all time. Of course I'm not, because the argument is easily can be made that George is the greatest. And I have no problem with that. I just think the record and the resume that Kamar Usman's putting together right now I think he is the greatest. And if he beats Leon Edwards on Saturday, that's six title defenses. He's closing in on the nine that George St. Pierre had. Now, will Kamara want to stick around and do that? Will he want to go for nine? Will he want to do other things in his career? He is. It it feels like Kamara is starting to reach towards the end of his career. I'm not saying he's going away anytime soon, but like he's starting to get to that level where you think he's probably got five or six, maybe fights left in his career where he could walk away and comfortably go away as the greatest ever. Yeah, so again, this is a big fight, and, and Leon Edwards has earned this opportunity. I think Kamar Usman's the greatest welterweight of all time. This is a big fight, uh, and it's actually a really solid card. Uh, Luke Rockhold, Paulo Costa, Marab Devalshuli against uh, Jose Aldo. I mean, good Lord, what a great card that is. All right. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G Podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent... You want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. 
Moving on to my next interview on the show this week, and that is with uh, the co-main event fighter at UFC, or excuse me, at BKFC London this weekend. Talking about London earlier, uh, we are going to talk right now to Paige Van Zandt. Of course, Paige is one of the biggest names in the sport. Former UFC fighter, now fighting bare knuckle over in BKFC, and she has a big fight coming up this weekend against Teresa Sagala uh, in a fight that could define her future in a lot of ways. I mean, Paige is coming up on the last bout of her BKFC contract. Um, she's making oodles of money doing her own thing on the side, her own website. Uh, she's doing AEW wrestling. So again, where, what, what, what has, what does the future hold for Paige Van Zandt and what is her focus going into this weekend's fight in BKFC? So right now I am always happy to speak to Paige Van Zandt. She makes her return to action at the first ever BKFC card in London. I am always happy to speak to the great Paige Van Zandt. Paige, how are you? I'm doing really good. Uh, just living life in Florida, getting ready for my fight. Absolutely. You're one of the busiest people in the world. Since we spoke last time, you've booked a fight. You did a horror movie. Uh, you made your pro wrestling debut. Uh, do you ever take a day off? Like, do you ever just like take a day to yourself and just like chill out? I think I do. I mean, uh, yeah, I definitely work very hard, but I'm, I'm just doing things that I enjoy. Yeah. I was so lucky to be able to be in that movie. Uh, I'm really excited. People are going to freak out when that comes out. Uh, AEW, my debut went awesome. I can't wait to start training in pro wrestling again and have another match, but yeah, right now the full focus is this bare knuckle boxing match in London. Yeah, now we're going to talk a lot about the fight, of course, but let me backtrack and talk about the movie because uh, that kind of came out of nowhere. I know, I think we've talked in the past about getting into acting. I know you said at one point, you know, hey, I'd love to do like a Marvel movie, do some superhero stuff, but this is a horror movie. Uh, 50 Cent, of course, and I believe it's Bryce Hall. How did this whole thing come about? It was crazy. Honestly, it was extremely last minute for me as well. Uh, I was just kind of relaxing at home and I got a phone call from Sean Wheelock, who uh, I'm sure you know, but he's uh, one of the commentators for a lot of the fight cards. Uh, he works for, for BKFC as a commentator. Uh, we have a really good relationship and uh, I think somebody just knew that me and him kind of work together. So they called him and were like, hey, does Paige want to be in this movie? We got a role, but she needs to decide like right away. So he called me. I was able to talk to the producers and kind of get the the rundown of, of what it would entail. And it was just three days in LA. Uh, I wasn't pretty good at like memorizing lines too. So uh, I was able to go out there, film for three days and have my first movie role. <laughs> so it was crazy. And the whole thing couldn't be more exciting. I'm, I'm a really big fan of like all the Saw movies and I've, I've watched every single one. And this, I will say is very similar to that. I was going to say, are you a horror movie fan? Because that is a whole different genre to get into. I am an extreme horror movie fan. Uh, I, I'm like the classic horror movies, like the older ones, um, Jeepers Creepers, the original one, the original Candyman from back in the day. I used to rent them on like the VHS tapes and take them home and have horror movie nights. So uh, it was awesome. I've seen every Saw movie that uh, one of the producers on. I think he was on some of the later Saw movies. Um, uh Josh Solberg was on there and he was an amazing director. Everything just couldn't have gone more exciting. Now you're already very busy, but is this something you see down the road, like doing more movies, doing more acting? Yeah, I hope so. Um, I got sent another script too, is a, a movie role that is thinking about me for, for a lead role. So I'm really excited for that. Uh, that wouldn't be until next August. So we're still a year out, but 
Uh, I, I definitely I had an amazing time. I feel like it's something that I just kind of like flourished in. It was it was really fun. I, I loved learning the lines. I loved being on set. I loved working with everybody. It was like another piece of who I am. And I just got to have so much fun with it. So yeah, I, w- I would definitely love to do more movie roles. Now, it'd be very easy to say like you're going to be an action star because you're an athlete, of course. It would be very easy to say that. But what what genre, if you were going to do a, a, like pick your genre of like what you wanted to do, what would be the dream role for Paige Van Zandt? Like, would you like to do a comedy is horror it? Would you like to do a drama or would you like to do action? Because I, I think that's the one we'd all imagine because you're an athlete, but it seems like I know you have interests outside of just being an athlete. So like, what would be your dream genre? Yeah. You know, honestly, I do lean more towards, um, being an athletic role, something where I could be like a daredevil or do my own stunts and like ride motorcycles, like the action stuff. I feel like that's just what I would be the best at just because it's a, a more common fit in correlation to my normal life uh but I would like to be tested too and do something like dramatic I think that would be the hardest role for me is like a drama um or comedy I don't think I'm not funny (laughs) I don't know if my like comedic timing is very good so uh that could test me as well but it would be it would be fun to be on a, a comedy obviously yeah now also in pro wrestling of course we talked last time you were getting into your training you ended up making your debut. I tweeted about it. It was amazing. You hit the tornado DDT. You had some fun with it. Now, I know you've put that to the side for right now while you're training for your fight. But how do you uh, how do you feel about your debut? Because we talked last time. I did pro wrestling. It is scary. It is hard. Uh, it is, I mean, it is a whole, I mean, I, like I said, when you're performing in front of 20 people, it's nerve wracking. You were, you were doing it in front of thousands of people. How was it? I mean, you seemed to do fine, but I mean, how would you kind of grade your performance? Gosh, you know, yeah, it was, it was crazy with the pro wrestling debut at the T-Mobile arena in front of like 20,000 plus people. Um, it was exciting. Honestly, there was definitely a, like things like me watching it back that I could definitely do better. There's moves I want to get down better so I can perform them better. Um, but honestly, I had an amazing time and all I can do is look back and think about how much fun I had in AEW. Um, came out we got an awesome win i was able to you know showcase with the with an amazing tag team so yeah it's just back to the drawing board and just trying to get better at the things i definitely know i still need to work on but i I am very happy with the way i performed yeah now you have a fight coming up so of course you put the pro wrestling thing to decide but we talked last time pro wrestling is difficult it's very hard to learn takes a lot of dedication a lot of time and things like that like now that you've done it and you did it for the first time and now you got a fight coming up like has it kind of given you a better sense of how you have to balance your time? Because pro wrestling, I mean, even though it is quote unquote scripted, you can get really hurt in there. I mean, you, if you're not careful, if you're not doing the right things, you're going to get hurt. You can hurt somebody else in there. It's the last thing you want to do. So have you kind of figured out like the balance? Cause I know you said, you know, you want to do it all. You want to, you know, you want to do your website. You want to fight. You want to do the pro wrestling thing. Now you're doing acting, but doing the wrestling, making your debut. Like, did you figure out like a, how you're going to balance your time going forward right now? Your full focus is on fighting, but I know you want to get back into pro wrestling. So like, cause that's difficult, right? Like I joked about you never having a day off, but like, that's kind of the reality, right? Like if you want to do this, you can't for lack of a better word, you can't half-ass it. Definitely. And I think that for um, fighting, professional fighting, bare knuckle boxing, MMA, those are things that you can't step out of the gym or have like an off season. You can have like your camps, but for me, I'm still training 24, 24, seven for MMA or for bare knuckle boxing and for this fight. So I was able to train the whole time I was in LA. Um, 
consistently through AEW, I was still training my boxing. And for the other things, I like to see it as more like a camp. Like I just put like an intensive together where I focus on that just for the preparation for the match or preparation for like a movie role. I just sit there for a week and focus on nothing else. Um, but other than that, it's, it's the gym and unboxing 24 seven, and then just throughout the day, focusing on these other things. And I feel like I found a pretty good balance. I've definitely pushed everything else to the back burner for this fight camp. Um, so when I'm focused on, uh, or have a fight coming up, I definitely don't do anything else. Yeah. So now that being said, you're fighting August 20th at BKFC in London. Of course, your husband, the great Austin Vanderford is fighting literally eight days before you in South Dakota. Now I know, you know, you're not necessarily training together. You're working primarily on your boxing and striking. He, of course, is getting ready for a mixed martial arts fight. So I know you guys aren't in there like sparring and grappling in the gym together, but there is still a stress there, right? Because you're always in his corner. I know that, you know, he wants to be there for your fights and you're fighting eight days apart. How has it been? You know, now we sit just a matter of, you know, at this point, days away, really, uh, from you guys both fighting. How has it been with that, with him fighting and then you fighting eight days later? Honestly, it, it's kind of the ideal situation for us. Um, I like the fact that we're fighting this close because we're both in a fight camp. We're both on a very, very strict regimen. I think a hard thing for professional fighters or athletes when they have a significant other who isn't in the lifestyle or isn't immersed with the, the lifestyle, it can be hard because um, you want to go out to eat or you want to go out to restaurants or you want to do something other than go to the gym and just go come home and like sleep and rest. So now we're both in this situation where we're both training for a fight. We're both hundred percent fight camp. We are, we're on separate schedules, but when it comes down to it, we have a lot of the, the same coaches. So I'll be able to travel with my coaching team to his fight. And then we'll go from his fight to my fight in London. Yeah, and no, honestly, no, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, it's just, it's just been a perfect scenario. Both of us have gotten like, because we're both so dedicated and focused together. It's like our weight, we're both have like, our weight is better than it's ever been. Our physicality is better than it's ever been. We're both just able to like push and motivate each other. So there's really no excuse for us to do anything that would hinder our performance. Yeah. Now I know that if I correct me if I'm wrong, I believe because Austin was always in your corner, but I believe if I remember correctly, I interviewed both of you. I want to say before your second BKFC fight, he had said that he wasn't necessarily going to be in your corner for that fight. He was going to be at the fight, of course, but he wasn't going to be one of the coaches. Now I know you are always in his corner. So are you going to be in his corner for this fight? And then he'll just be at your fight. Cause I know you guys do really motivate each other, you know, as coaching as much as you are, you know, husband and wife. Yeah. And I don't see us as like coaching each other. It's just kind of, it's how, how it works out for five week. Like, yeah, we like to have each other in the corner. I think it is a motivation. I want to perform the best I can with having him there. It like pushes me as something to fight for, um, for this fight week though. No, I'm not in his corner. And I think he is in my corner. Oh, he is in it your just, corner. It, yeah. He is in mine. I'm not in his, um, but it's just the way it works out with coaching too. Like say we get all three of our coaches able to go and we um, have no space in our corner, then, then we sit out. Like all three of his coaches are able to go to his fight. So I won't be in the corner, but like first title fight, you get four corners. So then I was able to, and then for this one, I'm only traveling with two coaches since it's all the way in London. So he will step in and be that third corner. Okay, makes sense. Makes perfect sense. Now, Paige, we've talked a lot during your BKFC career and, and you know, doing this sport, because even when you signed, and I don't want to rehash what you said a million times over, you know, people were kind of surprised, like, you know, why do bare knuckle? And I know you've kind of fallen in love with it, but ultimately, I know you've had a couple of tough losses, very close fights, 
but a couple of tough losses. Now you get Charissa Sagala. It's a great matchup. NBKFC in London. It's a great event. But I had this conversation with Dave Feldman a couple weeks ago because, you know, listen, ultimately you want to win. It's not about putting on great fights and close fights. It's about winning. And I know that about you enough to know that you want to win. You're not out there to just say, oh, put on a great fight. You want to win. How much pressure do you put on yourself going into this fight, you know, knowing that, you know, I hate to use the word back against the wall, those kind of things. It's so cliche, but I know you don't want three losses in a row. I know you don't want people saying, man, great fight, but you lost. You know what I mean? Like you want to go out there and win. So how much pressure or expectation do you put on yourself going into this fight? Uh, a lot, honestly, like I see this as being the biggest fight of my career, the most important fight of my career. Um, especially I had two really, really close fights, um, extremely close. And I think for me, it's, you know, I was asked in another interview, like how I want, like what, if I think about leaving a legacy and at the time I'm like, no, I don't really think about like leaving a legacy. I just want to be a good person. But then like, after I thought about the question again, it's like, I just want to be the person that like, no, I don't need to be this like legendary go down in history Muhammad Ali but like as long as people can look at me and think like yeah you can fail but you can still be successful you can get back up and try again I've definitely I've had two really tough losses in a row and there's a lot of people a lot of women and a lot of men and people in general that wouldn't go 10 rounds in bare knuckle boxing lose and then choose to have five more rounds like I know that I, I have to go in there and get a win it's it's for me it's not for anybody else and um, for me, it's the biggest fight of my career and all the pressure is on from mostly myself. I mean, the outside noise, I'm pretty good at tuning it out. Um, but for me and my ego and everything I've sacrificed and I know how hard I've worked and mentally I, I need to go out there and get a win. Is it, is it harder because like, I know, and it's a weird thing. Fighters are all different. So I don't want to group everybody together and say that you know, everyone's the same, but I know some fighters say, like losing a split decision, losing a close decision is a harder pill to swallow than going out and like getting tapped out. As weird as that sounds, because you got caught. It's this definitive ending, you know it is, but when you have like a split decision or really close decision, it's harder because you know one more punch landed, the judge saw the fight the right way versus maybe the way they saw it, and you get a win. Is that also part of this for you? Like, because like, again, you've had a lot of great wins, but you've had a couple of tough losses. And, and again, if you get caught in an arm bar, let's say you tap, you know, you got caught, it's over. But those two fights, we lose perspective. They were both razor close. You were coming back. And I think if you would have had one more round against Britton Hart, the fight might've been over, you know what I mean? And, and yet a razor close fight with Rachel as well. Is it tougher coming off of those kind of fights and that motivation saying, man, I want to win because that sticks with you a little bit more because you know, if one judge had just seen something a little bit differently, you might be sitting here on a two and O record. We're talking about title fight or something. I know. Yeah. I, I do think it's harder um, going to those decisions where it's that close or it really could go either way, depending on what's in the judge's minds. Like I think it's frustrating because it's like, I did what you're not supposed to do and leave it to the judges first and then second it's that close you can taste the victory it's there you can taste it you can feel it like it's like within reach and then all of a sudden it gets taken away from you so it, it is frustrating to know that you came up just like inches short versus losing like when I lose to somebody and get arm barred by Amanda Rebus she was better than me like and I can sit down and I can accept that that she was better than me on that night 
and she's better at jujitsu. Like I know she submitted me, but when it comes down to like these really, really close decisions, you always have in the back of your mind, like, no, I, I know I'm better, but I just failed on the night to perform. So it becomes like a mental battle almost like what is, what held me back from winning that fight? Yeah. Well, and we all know how good you are, Paige. I mean, you wouldn't be here doing what you're doing if you weren't good. And, and I think that's, we have a terrible tendency to forget on, on like a resume when we look at a resume and say we have two losses in a row we forget how, what happened in those two fights i don't but sometimes people do oh Paige had two losses in a row well let's talk about those two losses in a row because they were both razor close fights and i truly do mean it i've said this to you before i think if you had one more round against britain hart i think the fight would have you know potentially ended you know what i mean but you know it is what it is um but as we get, we lose perspective right like we lose perspective we just say oh two losses in a row we don't think about what actually happened in those two fights no, I agree. And and that's hard for me to remember too. And especially like going in and training and, you know, looking back at the fight, like then it's like, you realize like, if I could have just done this much different, if I could have pushed the pace a little bit earlier, if I could have done what I did in the fourth and fifth round, then, then I would have finished the fight. If it could have two more rounds then I would have finished it. So it's like all these what ifs and all these different scenarios. And I think it's just, it's, hard because yeah it's what people really pay attention to is just the record they don't actually pay attention to what happened in those fights or the way those losses were earned and the wins were earned um so for me it's just looking at it and going back to the drawing board and figuring out like you know it is still a new sport for me being in in boxing and bare knuckle boxing uh so it's just like going back to the drawing board and figuring out what I need to do to make those fights go in my direction a lot sooner yeah, you you admitted this is the biggest fight of your career, the most important fight of your career. Do you look at it and do you approach it in a do or die situation? Like, I need to win here. There is no alternative. I need to win here. Like, I know that's a lot of pressure to put on yourself, but, you know, I feel like you've always adapted well to pressure. So do you put that much pressure on yourself to say, I, this is do or die. I need to win here. Yeah, I, I like to say that I don't because I know, like, at the end of the day, it's, it's, just, a, it's just a fight. And if, you know, I'm if I lose fights, I'm still successful at other things. I'm still a successful person, but yeah, I, I do put that much pressure on myself, especially in this fight. Um, for me, it's more of a mental thing. Like I have to get this way and I have to know that everything I've been sacrificing has been worth it as hard as I've been working. Like I know the dedication that I've put into this camp and, and into bare knuckle boxing in general, I dropped everything to, to sign with BKFC. And, um, yeah, for me, it is, it's do or die. I have to get a win out there. Yeah. Now, I'm sure you've answered some variation of this question before, Paige, and I know we've talked about it during your UFC career, but I'm asking you about it now because we've talked in the past about the success you found post-UFC. And you said something to me, I want to say after your first BKFC fight, you said, you know, you could retire tomorrow if you wanted to. The money you've made, the success you found doing your website, doing the different things you're doing, you could retire tomorrow and be financially comfortable. Am I, am I, am I falsely, uh, am I falsely quoting you saying if you wanted to quit everything right now and just lay on the couch and do nothing for the rest of your life, you could retire right now and be done. Am I, am I fair in saying that in terms of financial security? You're fair in saying that. I mean, I would definitely start investing a little bit more <laughs> aggressively than I am. There's like different like things like. I guess from a business investment standpoint that I would do, but yeah, I mean, theoretically, I definitely don't, I don't have to fight another day in my life. Yeah. So that's the question because as soon as your fight got announced and, and, and luckily, you know, we put it out there and immediately people are like, why, why does Paige do this? Why does she need to fight? Because she's making money. She's doing, you know, great outside the cage. 
And it drives me absolutely insane because I don't know how many times I can say it. I certainly, I'm sure you don't need me defending you, but I don't know how many times I can say you do this because you love it. Now, yes, BKFC is paying you handsomely. You are getting paid to do it. You're not doing it for free, but you love fighting. Like, does it ever, I, I know it does. It has to bug you that you constantly have to defend your choice to fight when people are like, why do it? Yes, you do make a lot of money doing things. And that's awesome. I'm That's amazing. Applaud you. Great for doing that. But you do this because you love it. And it drives me absolutely up the wall when people make comments like that and say, why does Paige do it? Yes, you're making great money. Good for you. But you love fighting. That's why you're not doing it for any other reason. Am I wrong? No, you're right. And, and it's like, this is what I, this is who I am. This is what I do. I wake up and I go to the gym every day. I train for a fight. And, um, I think it's hard for people to understand, I guess, maybe if they don't have that, like athletic drive, they don't have that, that thing in their heart that keeps them going and moving forward, no matter what, like, yeah, I'm more comfortable now than I've been in the past. I definitely don't have to like sleep on in my car anymore, but at the same time, the, the drive and the determination and the want to win is still there at the end of the day. Like I would go out there and I mean, I'm not going to tell BKFC this, but I would fight for free. I want to go out there and I, I, it's, it's for something deeper than money. It's, it's inside of you. It's something in your heart. I need to feel that like fulfillment. And, um, you know, I can only do that by, by competing. And I think it's an athlete thing. And some people wouldn't understand. And you ask like LeBron James, why do you still play basketball? Like you don't need to, or why do all these like NBA players, NFL players, they get to a point in their career, like Tom Brady, he doesn't need to play football anymore, but why does he? It's because he's the greatest of all time, but he wants to continue to compete. It's what he does. It's in his blood. So um, I don't compare myself to those, those people in their greatness, but definitely their, their drive to want to continue to be successful. I feel like that's a part of me as well. I understand the argument. I'm sure you've heard it before. And a lot of people talk about Conor McGregor. They say, how do you get up in the morning? You know, whatever the quote is, like, how do you wake up at 5 a.m. to run when you're when you're sleeping on silk sheets or whatever? And I understand that argument. I do get that. And I do believe there are some examples where people start living comfortably and then they lose, you know, focus. They lose attention. I totally understand that. But there's also the other side of the argument, which is. You know, while, you know, when you were fighting because you had, like that was your career and that's the way you earned your money and that's the only way you earn your money, like there is something to be said about going out there and fighting for your, you know, fighting for your food, so to speak, fighting for your dinner. But now you're in a position where you don't have to fight. You could, again, you could retire tomorrow and be completely financially, you know, comfortable or you could do other things and never have to fight again. But there's something to be said that you want to fight, right? Like you've got that drive, you've got that determination that you want to fight. I think that says a lot about who you are as a person and also like the kind of, uh, per, you know, kind of the fighter you want to be because you don't have to do this. You're doing it because you love it. Yeah, I am. And um, gosh, I'm trying to think of who said it. Was it, you know, Steve Harvey? He's the guy on the one show. Steve Harvey. He's the one who does the, uh, that show with, uh, anyways, I think it was him. Um, so he said a quote about like, you know, um, when you're walking, like you're when you're on an airplane, you're walking past first class. You always think one day, one day I'll be in first class. One day I'll be there. And then finally you splurge and you're like, all right, I'm going to sit in first class. So you sit there and then you realize once you sit up there, you never want to go back to coach. So in that decision, 
you decide, all right, I'm going to do whatever it takes to be in first class for the rest of my life. I'm going to do whatever it takes to have this lifestyle for the rest of my life. And I think you can get comfortable being in the back of the plane. You can get comfortable just living the life you live right now. Like, yeah, I have everything I need. I don't need to want anything else. But once you spend that little bit of extra money, once you, you do that thing that takes you to a, a higher class or a new level, you think I want to stay here and you want to do everything possible to stay there. So I think for me fighting, like, yeah, I, I'm happy with what I have, but it's, it doesn't complete me. I want more. I want to continue to fight and continue to be successful so I can continue the life that I live. I can continue to support my family. I can continue to support those around me and help people out. And if I choose to just stop and walk away, like, yeah, I, I can, but it's not going to keep pushing that envelope to make me more to be able to help more people. And I think that it's, uh, I want that first class attitude. I want to do whatever it takes to stay in first class. Yeah, absolutely. Also, before I uh, forget, I hear Austin off camera there. Austin, hello. Uh, I always forget you're in the room. So I'll just say, Austin, what's going on, buddy? So I just want to say hello to Austin as well. He's, he's always here. He actually just walked away. But <laughs> we're living in a little apartment right now in Florida. And yeah, so we're always right next to each other. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, so now I also, before I, we've talked about my fight stuff, I always like having fun when we talk, Paige. I also noticed, because if you know me, you know, of course, I am very inked up myself. I saw you got some new hand yeah. tattoos. Now it's funny because you, you, uh, people always like, people don't think of you as like, I feel like because Austin is so tattooed, like I feel at some point, I don't know, Paige, what are we thinking? Are you going to match Austin and the number of tattoos? Cause hand tattoos are serious. When you get hand tattoos, that's real. I know. No, I don't think I'll ever match the amount of tattoos that he has. He definitely, he went for the throat tattoo and everything, but I, I appreciate tattoos. And I think I was holding off on getting them because I didn't want to like, hinder my career, close doors, but I think like times are definitely changing. So I got a few, I got a little butterfly and a little 12 gauge right here. So just small, cute little dainty things. Yeah. But the hand tattoos are real. Like that takes some effort. Like when you get hand <laughs> tattoos, that's some serious business. It is, but it's what I've always wanted. I want to, it says heart of a warrior, soul of a lion. So I feel like that was something I was talking to my boxing coaches um, and they were like, one of the biggest points that they say is that I have too much heart. Like I go out there and they know that I have heart and I'm going to fight to the death, but I need to just, I need to have less pride and I need to fight smart. So I need to go out there and be technical and use the skill that I have, because a lot of times I can throw my skill away and just fight strictly on heart. And so for this fight, they want me to put my pride away, go out there and, and be smart. Yeah. Now, you know, of course, this fight with Teresa Sagala, if there's one thing that's known about her is that she is incredibly durable. You know, she can take a punch. She can be durable. She has a good chin, things like that. But I imagine like that plays into your style because that's who you are, Paige. You are the fighter with heart. You are the fighter with determination. You are the fighter who won't back down, which is why I think this is such an exciting fight. But let me ask you this. I don't want to look past Teresa Sagal in any way, shape or form. So I don't want to make it appear that I'm doing that. But I know deep down inside, there's part of you that I'm sure you would love after this fight to maybe get the rematch with Britton Hart or maybe down the road, get the rematch with Rachel Ostovich because those are both razor close fights and you would love to avenge those. But I know recently, and I'm sure you saw it, uh, Beck Rawlings made her return to BKFC and now very close loss again to Britton Hart, close fight. It is what it is. 
Becca said she wants a rematch with you. Now, I talked to Dave Feldman, and he admits it would be a monstrous fight just because of who you are, who Becca is. You already have a pretty definitive win over Becca. It isn't a split decision. You knocked her out with a with an incredible switch kick. But I got to yeah. ask, like, just because of the magnitude, would you ever grant Beck Rawlings a rematch in BKFC uh, the same way I imagine you would love to get another shot at Britton Hart? You know, I don't see why not, um, especially though, like it's hard looking at, obviously I beat Rachel Ostevich in the UFC and then I come in and bare knuckle boxing and I get a loss to her. So it's like, you know, I have this win over Beck um, and I feel really good about it. <laughs> obviously it was an extremely exciting performance, um, but you know, I don't see why not. I think it'd be in a really exciting fight, um, especially for bare knuckle boxing. Um, we'll see how this fight goes. Obviously I'm going out there to get a win and I want to fight somebody that's ranked above me to continue to climb the ladder. Um, so we'll see what, what Dave says. I definitely know that would be an extremely exciting fight. So, um, it's not off the table and there isn't very many girls in, in bare knuckle boxing and BKFC. So, um, yeah, it's exciting. It's exciting to think that more girls are signing with them. I know Felice Herrig, I think just signed with them. So, there's a lot of a lot of familiar faces coming to the table. All the people you beat are coming into BKFC now, and they're going to be calling you out. You know it's going to happen. I know. <laughs> I know. And what's crazy, this is actually my last fight on this contract. So then I go to the the drawing board and figure out if I re-sign with Bare Knuckle Boxing or if I uh, see what my manager has in store for me. So um, I, I'm really excited about this fight. It's going to open a lot more opportunities for me, which is crazy. I'm sure we'll talk afterwards, but I can't not address it because you kind of opened that can of worms. Is there a chance this is your last fight in BKFC? Like, I know you told me before you were thinking about re-signing, but you have a lot of other opportunities out there. I know you've never put MMA behind you, but you also have AEW, you have different things you could do. Is there a chance, even with a win, that this could be the end of BKFC? So I never thought that I would sign with BKFC or bare, like bare knuckle boxing. I never even knew they were on the table. So I don't know what's going to come, come up and out of the woodwork while I'm a free agent again, but I, I don't see this being my last bare knuckle boxing match. I, I love fighting for them. I like BKFC a lot. I, I think I can want to continue to have a future with them forever. So I, I really don't see this as being my last one. Yeah. Now, one fun thing I wanted to ask you, Paige, because every time we do an interview, I don't really need to research Paige Van Zandt because I know you well enough and I know what you do that I don't need to like look up things. But I was curious because I type in your name on Google search and immediately things like Instagram and things like that come up. But then I'm always curious about like the, the Google headlines and the tabloids in England are insane. You know this. Like, they are lunatic with the sub. And they picked up everything. I was like, I was, my eyes were wide. Like, everything you post on Instagram becomes a story in the tabloids it's over there. So, oh, no. okay. so, here's the question. Okay. You are going into the tabloid capital of the world in London on August 20th. What is the funniest, weirdest, or most bizarre rumor you've ever seen printed about yourself throughout your career? I'm sh- I like I tried to dig deep and find things. I mean, I've seen everything, and it was way hey. out there kind of stuff. You see it all, and I'm sure some of you laugh at. What is the craziest, weirdest, most bizarre rumor you've ever seen printed about yourself? There has definitely been a lot. Um, I would say the off the top of my head, because this is a very recent one, and I'm not sure if you saw this one, that my best friend Erica is my girlfriend and <laughs> that we are dating. So I think sometimes like these tabloids forget to do like 
a little bit of research. Like they completely forgot, like I'm married to my husband. And then, so yeah, that, uh, my friend, Erica is my girlfriend. That was a new one. Um, gosh, that's the first one that comes to my head, but there has been some bizarre stories out there where I'm like, you know, you, you could just do a little bit of research and you would find out that's not true. It's so crazy too, because I see those things and it's just like, you remember, like, it's just like so funny to me. Like I, I don't roll my eyes. I almost laugh because I'm just like, it's so ridiculous that it's like, no one can actually believe this. Right. Like I know there's probably, listen, conspiracy <laughs> theorists will believe anything, but there's some of those where I just laugh and I'm just like, really? Like that would be like me writing a story saying Paige Van Zandt has suddenly grown a third leg or a second exactly. arm for a third arm. I'm like, where are these coming from? So I laugh at them, but you gotta be like, are you kidding me? Like, are you kidding me when you write some of this stuff? I know part of like, I get frustrated sometimes and then I look at it and I'm like, whatever, just write whatever you want to write. Like any publicity is good publicity, I guess. Like as long as they're still writing about me, I guess I'm relevant. But yeah, yeah, sometimes I'm like, guys, what are you doing? Like, it takes a minimal amount of research to find out that that's not true. And like, those stories are just so random. And But it is what it is. The favorite thing I discovered, because I will admit, as like a fight journalist, like when I describe a knockout, it does get tough sometimes when you talk about like an emphatic knockout or a brutal knockout, or, you know, you have to use good adjectives to describe, to get people to like interested, like what you just did. What I learned doing the Google search this time page is these tabloids have a really unique way of describing your photos with Austin and things like that. Like they're like the steamiest photo shoot ever, the raunchiest photo shoot. I'm like, these guys are really digging deep to come up with adjectives to like describe these stories for you. It was cracking me up because I was like, good Lord, like you guys really dug in the thesaurus to find these words to describe Paige's photo shoots or her Instagram page. It cracked me up. Yes. And I promise you, if they're on Instagram, they're not raunchy. <laughs> they have very specific guidelines to post, but but yeah, some of now I'm, I know Austin loves it. He gets made fun of constantly at the gym for our photo shoots that he does, but I think he looks awesome and I'm very happy. I'm very happy with the pictures that we take. Oh, that's a, that's amazing. And I, I love it. I always love Austin. I remember talking to him when the first interviews we ever did, when he joked around and said, I'll gladly be Mr. Van Zandt. He had no problem. He always embraces it. And it's so funny because people always say things to him trying to get to him, trying to bug him or trying to like, you know, give him. And I like, I feel like Austin just embraces every bit of it. And I love that about him. Oh, he doesn't care at all. I mean, we're, we're honestly, we're living the dream and we couldn't be more happy with each other in our lives and, and the success that we've had as a couple um so yeah if people want to make fun of him for having a successful wife but i think he'll take it yeah what is the uh what is the old saying the best revenge is living well and from my understanding you and austin are living very well we're living well yeah we're very we're very very happy with our lives i love it well Paige, it is always a pleasure to catch up i know you are incredibly busy so i always appreciate taking the time for me uh have a great rest of your training camp uh, of course safe travels out to south dakota for austin's fight and then out to london for bkfc i cannot wait to see you back in action on august 20th and thank you as always sincerely for the time i know you don't have to do interviews you're just a big enough star now to where you can kind of pick and choose what you do i always appreciate you taking time for me and i really do mean that I appreciate you. I appreciate you. I have real questions, not just terrible drama clickbait. So I appreciate you as a journalist. Always a great interview. Thank you so much, Paige. We'll talk soon, okay? Yep, sounds good. Right. Bye. Bye-bye.
A big thank you, as always, to Paige Van Zandt for joining me on the show. I appreciate it. Uh, always a fun interview with her. Uh, for clarity's sake and just for full disclosure, you probably heard us talking about her traveling to uh, her husband's fight, Austin Vanderford. Of course, Austin fought this past weekend, uh, had a tough defeat uh, at Bellator. And uh, just to be clear, we actually recorded this interview prior to that. Uh, but rather than edit it out and just, you know, kind of give you like a, some, you know, uh, edited down version of the interview that was really not about Austin necessarily. It was about Paige. Uh, I just left it in there. It was recorded a few days before she left for South Dakota to be with Austin in his fight. So that's why. Uh, but just full disclosure, you know, we didn't record it this week. It was uh, you know, a little before this week. So um, just to be aware. But always a pleasure to talk to Paige. I really look forward to her fight coming up on Saturday at BKFC. Of course, that's also the card featuring Michael Venom Page against Mike Perry in the main event. That should be a lot of fun. I look forward to that. And uh, BKFC, they always have really great production value. Their cards are always a lot of fun. I look forward to uh, to both of those uh, both of those fights and the rest of the card as well. And, of course, a big thank you to Leon Edwards. Uh, doing this interview on Fight Week was a big deal. I really appreciated him taking the time. He's in weight-cutting mode. He's in focus mode. He's probably doing a million other things. The last thing he wants to do is tack on another interview. So I appreciate him doing that as well. Uh, make sure you check out the fights this week. And of course, UFC 278 on Saturday. And then next week, happy to announce my co-host for the show will be none other than fellow welterweight contender, Bilal Muhammad, who has a history of Leon Edwards. Uh, he's a man who will fight Sean Brady in a, in a, in a couple of months. And he is going to be cage side for UFC 278. So I wanted to get his perspective on the title fight, uh, the welterweight division as a whole and his uh, prospects of hopefully fighting for the title. Uh, in the near future. So we're going to talk to Bilal Muhammad next week uh, to break down everything that happened at UFC 278. So I'm very excited to have him back on the show. A big thank you once again to both Paige Van Zant and Leon Edwards for coming on the show. Uh, make sure you check us out on all your favorite podcast platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and of course, over on MMAfighting.com. We will see you guys next week for another edition of the Fighter versus the Writer. Thanks for tuning in, and we will see you then. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Prop G Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Prop G Pod wherever you get your podcasts.